0: i
1: this morning. Uh, whether you're joining us online, or if you're in the parking lot listening on the radio, or if you're here in the house with us, we're grateful to have you with us. In either way that you chose to be here, if you're visiting with us, and I, and I applaud you for visiting today because it's during the Corona, and I applaud you for visiting churches during Corona. Um, so, if you are visiting, you can go outside these doors right out back in the lobby. You can grab some information about our church at one of our welcome tables, and it's just got information about our church and different ministries that we have, and ways that you can get plugged in, and ways that you can contact the staff so we can answer. Any questions that you have? Also, in the lobby today, in the next couple of weeks, uh, if you had a student in Iwana, we kind of did some math and broke down the numbers. So, based on where they were when we stopped Awana, we kind of projected the numbers where they would be at the end. So, took a percentage. Uh, we have their medals, and so they can grab their medals at the table out in the lobby. Uh, anytime this week, we'll have them there, and you can get them today. Actually, on your way out, if you want to grab that, then so. Uh, That's all the announcements that we had this morning. If you guys will stand up with us, we are going to sing a couple songs. And uh, thank you guys for being here.
2: This time we're going to go to the Lord in prayer and how we need him. Don't we need him in these days that we're living in? We need him now more than we ever have. I want to share a prayer request with you. Friday a man was in my home and his granddaughter was born at 26 weeks. Her name is Evie Milstad. She's a pound and something. And I had prayer with him in my home, and I prayed that you would pray for her. I told him this morning that our church would be in prayer for the baby and for the family. And just please remember, Evie, in your prayer time this week, I pray that God would raise her up for his honor and for his glory. You know, we need him every hour. We need him. David writes in Psalms 107, And I want to read to you the scripture, and then we want to pray the scripture back. David writes in Psalms 107, verses 29 through 32. There's three things here that the scripture talks about. In verse 29, he calms the storm so that its waves are still. Aren't you glad that God calms the storm? David said, God calms the storm. So we're to pray in the storm. I don't know what you're facing in life, but God does. So pray in the storm. And then in verse 30, it says, and they are glad because they are quiet. The the ways become quiet. So he guides them in their desired haven. So we pray through the storm. Not only do you pray in the storm, but you pray through the storm. And then the last two verses are these. In Psalms 107, 31 through 32. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Isn't God good? He helps us in the storm, through the storm. Oh, that that would! Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his, for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them all... Exalt Him also in in the assembly of the people and praise Him in the company of the elders. What's David saying? Not only we're to praise Him in the storm and through the storm, but we're to praise Him after the storm. We're to give thanks in this assembly this morning and to praise Him for who He is and for how He is faithful to help us through life. Let us pray together. Father, this morning, we're so grateful that you calmed the storm. And God, that you help us to pray in the storm. And God, that you hear and you answer prayer. I pray for little Evie this morning. I pray that you'd raise her up for your benefit and for your honor and for your glory and for the Father, of your kingdom. That you'd use her as a testimony to your great and your goodness. And Father, this morning, we want to thank you that you're a God who helps us to pray through the storm. The Lord that you bring calmness and peace and comfort. And God, that you're a God who's there with us and you're a God of all comfort. And we thank you for that. And then God, we praise you after the storm. Because you're a God who hears and you answer prayers. And you care for us and you love us so deeply. You give yourself for us and you desire to walk with us and through us. And Father, we're here to praise you. We're here to praise you because you're the altogether lovely one. You're worthy of all praise and honor and glory. And Father, we just come here to seek you. We come here to praise you. We bow before you and worship. And Father, we pray that we would see our greatest need this morning. Lord, I need you. Lord, our country needs you. Our community needs you. The church needs you. I pray you'd pour out your Holy Spirit and have the preeminence here this morning and throughout our land in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated.
3: We pray for blessings, we pray for peace, comfort for family, protection while we sleep. We pray for healing, for prosperity. Yet love is way too much To give us lesser things Cause what if your blessings Come through raindrops What if your healing Comes through tears And what if a thousand cry. Body. This world can't satisfy, and what if trials of this life, the rain, the storms, the hardest nights, are your mercies in disguise?
4: Kale, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to stand with me and turn to Romans chapter 8. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit again this week. Uh, We started this study in Romans chapter 8 about four weeks ago. It's been called uh, one of the greatest chapters in the Bible, and I believe that to be so. We're just going to exposit these verses each and every week. We're going to look at three this morning. Notice verse 14. The Bible says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For if you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, and heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So in these three verses, Paul talks about this. Number one, he noticed notice the word led in verse 14. That talks about direction. Okay, in the, in the second part of that, he talks about how we've been adopted. So you have direction and adoption. And then in verse 16, this is so important for us all. Have you ever doubted your salvation? Probably most people have. But I would say this. I never doubted my salvation before I became a Christian. But what happened and what brought me through those times was the Spirit himself bared witness with my spirit that I was a child of God. So, you have assurance, you have direction, you have direction, you have adoption, and you have assurance. Three wonderful ministries of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Father, as we come to you in prayer this morning, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, we thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And, Father, I, as I look at my life, my spiritual life, from the time I was 20 to now, if I ever have problems spiritually, it's because I will not surrender to the Holy Spirit's leading in my life. And Father, it's not a matter of being filled. It's a, matter of, uh, uh, it's a matter of you having more of me. So Father, I pray today for all of us that are born again, that today we would surrender ourselves afresh and anew to the leading of the Holy Spirit, even through this preaching time and reading your word. Lord, you'll sp- the, the message is one message, but you'll speak to us all in different ways. And Father, it's up to us to say yes to whatever the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. So Father, as you give us direction this morning... Lord, as we celebrate our adoption, Lord, I pray that through that, because of the Holy Spirit, we can, we can rejoice and have peace because of the assurance that only you can give. So, Father, we thank you today. We love you today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So, last week, we looked at these thoughts about the Holy Spirit. Notice on the screen. First one is this. Every Christian has the Holy Spirit. Notice verse 9. The Bible says, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. Pretty simple, right? If you're born again, you have the Holy Spirit. The second thing is this. Every Christian has as much of the Holy Spirit as he will ever have. You have as much of it the day you were born as you'll ever have. Jesus said this in John 7. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, if anyone thirsts, Let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. See, Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. And what that means is this, that you are filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit needs more of you. That's the problem. I've heard uh, people... Say teachers, preachers from time to time that you, you know, if you feel like the Holy Spirit, you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, go to God's gas station and He'll just fill you back up. And I'm like, the problem with that is it's just not in the Bible anywhere. You have all of the Holy Spirit that you're ever going to have. The problem is, does the Holy Spirit have you? Think about the church at Corinth. You can read those two letters. This church had every spiritual blessing, filled with the Holy Spirit, spiritual gifts galore. Everything that you could want. And Paul called them babes. Carnal babes. Why? Because they flirted around with the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit did not have them. When one pastor put it this way. Being filled with the Spirit or being continuously kept filled with the Spirit becomes the heart issue of the Christian life. Only as we're filled with the Spirit of God, that is, we are controlled by the Spirit, moved by the Spirit, yielded to the Spirit, directed by the Spirit, only as our lives are functioning in response to the Spirit of God, do we really know the power of God. Being filled is God having more of us and us being controlled by the Spirit. When this thing happens, when this happens, amazing things can happen. Think about the day of Pentecost. When the Bible says that Peter and uh, the Christians were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they started speaking in foreign tongues, okay? They were not speaking gibberish. This is how amazing this was. They were speaking foreign languages. Has anybody here ever taken Spanish class? Bunch of people, right? How many of you remember it? I took two years of Spanish, okay? And I passed because I sat beside smart people. And I remember one time Miss Walsh, whom I loved, she said we had, a, we had a visitor. I remember, I think it was Coach White, came from East. And he came to see old students. And she said, oh, we're so happy with how much people know. Jaime, hi, Jaime, hi, stand up. And I went, oh, no. She says, tell him what you know in Spanish. And I said, I went to ta- uh, San Francisco to get a taco. And that's all I know. So, San Francisco and taco. And you know what she told me? Go to ISS. Now, think about this. What if, what if, when I went to Haiti, where nobody knew English much, what if the Holy Spirit came upon me and I spoke or whatever their language was. Wouldn't that be amazing? That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. They didn't speak gibberish. They didn't speak gibberish. Okay, That's how amazing it was when the Holy Spirit came upon them. They could speak, God was glorified, and great things happened. But what happened was the people were yielded to the Holy Spirit's work in their lives. Could you honestly say right now in your life that you have surrendered yourself to the Holy Spirit's guidance and direction in your life? See, the Holy Spirit... Work in your life is greater than anything you can do alone. In the ministry of the Holy Spirit, Paul says this. If you'll notice the first thing, the Holy Spirit will give you direction. Now notice what verse 14 says. And it comes right after verse 13. We've got to understand context. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Look at the word led. Now in your life, God will lead you to do certain things. He will convict you. I feel like I'm the pastor of East Hazel Baptist Church because God convicted me to do it through that leadership and guidance from the Lord. I became the pastor, but this is not what this is necessarily talking about. When you think about being led, notice verse 13 again. The Bible says this: For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the flesh, you will live. And listen to how one scholar put it: Being led, the word is it looks like the word "ago" in the Greek. To direct the movement of an object from one position to another. And here it is used in the present tense. Which signifies continuously and the passive voice underscores the fact that the leading is a result of a force, power, or source outside of ourselves. I.e. the Holy Spirit. So what is the believer's role? Be willing to be led by the Spirit. Ray Pritchard put it this way. To be led by the Spirit is a very personal term and it means to be led by the hand. To be personally escorted like a tour guide. Now think about this. John MacArthur put it this way. The Holy Spirit does not make people people worldly, carnal, boastful, unaccountable, outrageous, etc., etc. The Holy Spirit has one objective. And that is to make people holy. That's why he's called the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit. That's why he's called the Holy Spirit. So what Paul is saying here in verse 14 is that God will lead you To put to death the deeds of the flesh. That is one of the works of the Holy Spirit. When Paul says led by God's Spirit, he means led by the Spirit into Christ's likeness. Okay? So there's going to come times in your life when God the Holy Spirit is going to lead you to put to death the deeds of the flesh. And whenever you do not do that, then you'll have big problems. You remember last week we looked at how the Holy Spirit came upon Samson? We said the Holy Spirit came upon Samson. He killed all these people He killed this animal. He did this, that, or the other because God had a plan for Samson and that was to lead his people. Did Samson allow himself to be led when it comes to areas of sin? He did not. You remember he had an issue with the woman. Her name was Delilah. She kept asking for his secret and Samson was so carnal and so immature that he gave her the secret and what God said is this. Notice on the screen. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. You know why? Because every time he did it. Every time he played around with God's call on his life. Every time. And God showed grace and mercy, but notice what happened this time. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Why? Because he was not being led in the deeds of the flesh by the Spirit. How much are you missing out on in your spiritual life because you will not allow the Holy Spirit, who will take you by the hand and show you where to kill the the deeds of the flesh. If I'm being led by the Spirit, if I'm being led by the Spirit in this way, I will not yell at a referee. Amen? If I'm being led by the Spirit, if I'm being led by the Spirit, if I'm surrendered to the Spirit, in Alexander County, listen to me, because I get tired of counseling y'all over this. You will not flirt with the married person at work. And all God's people said. Is that not putting to death the deeds of the flesh? was about time some, some people started doing it. Amen. If I am led by the Spirit, I will not rob God, will I? If I'm being led by the Spirit, I will not gossip about others. If I'm being led by the Spirit, I will not consistently mischurch and I will not... Uh, put aside the reading of God's Word if I'm being led by the Spirit. See, a lot of people will be led by the Spirit until God gets in their business. Are you going to be led by the Spirit or are you going to be like Samson? God has this great plan for your life, it's never fulfilled because you will not allow Him to put to death the deeds of the flesh. Notice on the screen, if you're being led by the Spirit, the Spirit will always lead you to glorify Jesus. Not yourself, not an idea, not a project, not a ministry, not an ideology. He will always lead you to glorify Jesus in your life. Jesus said this. He said, He, the Holy Spirit, will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. The Holy Spirit will always lead you into truth. Always. Jesus said this in John 14. He He called the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth. Notice the third thing. The Holy Spirit always leads you in the way of understanding and applying Scripture. Have you not heard some bad theology in Alexander County? Where does that come from? It doesn't come from the Bible, and it doesn't come from the leadership of the Holy Spirit ever. Jesus said, God, the Holy Spirit will always lead you to obedience, faithfulness, and conform to the image of Christ through His Word. And then the Holy Spirit always leads you to more and more dependence upon the Father so that you become conformed into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. Do you know who the discipler is in your life? It's the Holy Spirit. Now, you can come to church and hear sermons, and that's we should. You can go to Sunday school class, and you should. You should have commentaries. You can be in Bible study groups. You can do all those things. But ultimately, the discipler in your life is the Holy Spirit, if you're willing to be led. See, the biggest problem in my life and in your life is we're not surrendered to this type of leadership of the Holy Spirit. It's the answer to every problem you have, spiritually speaking. You will never put to death the deeds of the flesh, and minds different than yours, unless you're willing to be led by the Holy Spirit. One of the most helpful things you can do for your spiritual life today is this. Just say yes to the Holy Spirit's leading in your life. He will point out what's wrong in your life. You don't need a preacher to do it. You, you don't need an accountability partner to do it. You just, the Holy Spirit will show you and lead you into holiness because He is called the Holy Spirit. And then the second thing that the Holy Spirit does, we celebrate the fact of adoption. Notice what verse 15 says For you did not receive the spirit of bondage, bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. By whom we cry out, notice these two words, Abba, Father, which would have really shocked a lot of Jewish people. Now, when you think about adoption, we know what adoption is in America. The Jews had no concept of adoption. So almost every scholar believes that when Paul wrote about adoption, he's talking about the adoption process that the Roman government had, and it really applies to our spiritual life. Now, listen to this. Notice on the the screen the three things that applied to a Roman adoption ceremony. The adopted person lost all rights in his old family, and gained all the rights of a legitimate son in his new family. In the most binding legal way, he literally got a new father. Isn't that amazing? Think about your spiritual adoption when I read this. The second thing is by law, the old life of the adopted person was completely wiped out. For instance, all his debts were canceled. Aren't you thankful that God don't bring up your past? And that your old life, Even though a lot of people may remember it, God does not. Isn't that a blessing? It's wiped out forever. In this ceremony, the adopted son received the right to carry on the name of his new family as well as share in the family's inheritance, which Paul talks about in verse 17 here. We have been adopted by God the Father. Listen to what MacArthur says. In the mind of Paul, we have entered into the very family of God. We did not deserve it. God in his amazing love and mercy has chosen lost, helpless, poverty-stricken, debt-laden sinners and adopted us into his own family. In doing so, our debts are canceled and the inheritance of heaven is our own. That's why I notice what Paul says in verse 15. We cry. Look at the word cry. That means to scream. That's what it means. You remember when the demons saw Jesus and they cried out and said, "What, what What do we have to do with thee? Our time has not yet come. They were screaming Paul says you can scream out to Abba, Father. Notice the word Abba. The name of God was so holy that a Jewish scribe would not write, he would write the Bible, get to the word God, Yahweh, however it was listed, and then he would wash his hands, get a new pen, write the name, wash his hands, and then write the rest of the sentence. They would never say Abba, Father. You know what that means? Daddy. They had a word, the Jews did, you had the word Abba, if a young child was saying it, that meant daddy or ima, which was mommy. Daddy or mommy. And what Jesus is saying through Paul here, and Jesus said it himself, is that you have the right because you're adopted to call God your daddy or your father. Daddy or father. Jesus always addressed God as Abba or father, always. It was totally new for a Jewish person to hear that. It was almost sacrilegious to them, because it's almost like, how can you know him that well? The only time Jesus never used that word was when he was dying on the cross, and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, the Jews, the wonderful part was their reverence from God. The sad part was their distance from God. And Jesus says, no, you've been adopted into the family. He is your heavenly father. Some of them would translate the way Jesus prayed to to saying this, my dear heavenly father. Father, if you receive Christ, you are adopted into the family. Wonderful news. And when you pray, you can say, Father, every time. And I would say this, if God is your Father and God is my Father, that makes us what? Which means your spiritual family will last forever. Listen to these three things that this means. First, it means this. Adoption means that you have a new family. The old family is gone forever. The old master is gone forever forever. The old name is gone forever. God is your father, the Lord Jesus is your savior, and the Holy Spirit lives within you. Not only that, but adoption means that you have a new privilege. Listen to what one scholar said. If you've been adopted into God's family, you have the same right as the oldest saints of God. You have the same rights as Moses. You have the same rights as Paul. You have the same rights as Daniel. You have the same rights as Peter. Isn't that amazing? He goes on to put it this way. Everyone who comes into the family of God comes in the same way because the ground is level at the foot of the cross. He only has one class. Everyone in God's family has a gold card standing. Everyone is born again. Everyone has full rights. Everyone is at the head of the class. Everyone comes in at the best possible level. No other family is like God's family. And then the final thing is this. Adoption means you have a new responsibility. And what is that? To carry on the family name. Carry on the family name. When I was a youth pastor, I would try to scare students because they were all bad, most of them. They never listened. I'd always tell them this. If you get in trouble, tell them you go to Tri-City Baptist Church. Don't tell them you go to blah, blah, blah. No, I'm just kidding. But you know I would tell them? This is, this is how I'd get students to listen. I'd say, listen, you're not only representing your church today, but you're representing me. I'm a youth pastor. Okay? And if you, if you go in here and you act up, it's not only a bad reflection on God, of course, your church, but it's a bad reflection on me. I mean, do you want to make me look bad today? Well, of course, most of them did. But I try to put that... Listen, you're representing God the Father, right? Everywhere you go, uphold the family name. Your family name is only as good as you are. I used to tell young guys when they'd go to jail, those weekends, and people would bail them out. I said, listen, do you realize how you're making your mom and dad look? Do you realize that? They're good people. Your name is a good name. And what you're doing is you're you're just really placing a black eye on your family name and your family doesn't deserve that. See, you have a new responsibility. When you leave these church doors, you represent God the Father and He's your Father. He's your Father at work tomorrow, He's your Father. He's your Father whatever you do, He is your Father. Do you trust Him as your Father? Isn't it a blessing to be adopted into the family of God? You have the same rights and privileges as any saint you read about in the Bible. There's no family like His. There's no family like his. And the final thing is this, assurance. This is so, this is so important. And we'll close with this. Notice verse 16. The Spirit himself, look, look at these words, bear witness. Wonderful word. Uh, one scholar put it this way. This means to pro- provide credible supporting evidence to one's case by giving testimony or testifying. To show to be true, to give evidence in support of, to stand up and say, I testify what this person says is true. And one scholar says, God knows believers need this support in regard to the assurance of their salvation. And he makes the point abundantly clear. We in Barclay put it this way. Barclay writes, Paul uses another picture from Roman adoption. He says that God's spirit witnesses with our spirit that we really are his children. The adoption ceremony was carried out in the presence of seven witnesses. Now, suppose the adopting father died and there was some dispute about the right of the adopted son to inherit. One or more of the seven witnesses stepped forward and swore that the adoption was genuine. Thus, the right of the adopted person was guaranteed, and he entered into his inheritance. So what Paul is saying is that the Holy Spirit himself, who is the witness to our adoption into the family of God, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Look at the word children. He could have used the word sons. He uses children and sons interchangeably. The word children means to bear the nature of somebody else. And what the Holy Spirit will say this. This is important. Okay? Especially if you doubt your salvation. You bear your father's nature. You're his child. I got saved in October 30th, 1990. And I went to church almost every day that I could. I listened to all kinds of preaching. I was just in church all the time. I'd go to my home church. I'd go to other churches. I'd go to revivals. And you hear some good preaching. You hear some bad preaching. And I hadn't been saved a year. Right? And I mean, I just loved Jesus. Read the Bible all the time. Prayed. Tried to witness to all I could. could. And I remember being in a revival service one night and the guy preached one of those Wheat and Terror messages. I was a young, impressionable, just didn't know the Bible well. I think the title of the message was Religious but Lost. And he shared all these stories about preacher's wives getting saved, deacons getting saved, and I thought, wow, I can't be saved. How can I be saved? And I remember going down to the altar three times. Three times. I was already saved. All right? And I remember the third time I went down, There was a guy who I have so much respect for. He come and got down beside me and said. Jamie. You're saved. Get up and go back to the pew. And I got up. Went back to the pew. And I said I'm I'm born again. All right. Just like that godly Christian person. It would have been real embarrassing for me. To go, go through this whole process again. Even though I was born again. I was just very young and impressionable. Just as he. Physically, walk to me and says, I see the Spirit of God in your life. We've all seen the change God has made in your life. You're born again. The Holy Spirit does that to me every day. Every day. When Satan comes to make doubt, the Holy Spirit will bear witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. Aren't you thankful of the, for the assurance that he can give you? That's why it's so important to be yielded to the, to the, to the Holy Spirit in your life. Listen, and when I say children of God, notice he says the spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Which means this, and this is so important, we're not all children of God. I don't know how many times I see spiritual leaders on TV who will say, well, we're all God's children. It's nowhere in the Bible. It's nowhere. It is nowhere in the Bible where it says we're all children of God. Jesus did not affirm that at all. As a matter of fact, notice on the screen in John 1, very first part of John's gospel. Notice, but as many as received him, you have to receive him for who he is. The resurrected Christ. The Messiah. The only way to salvation. God in flesh. If you receive him, to them he gave right. Notice this. To become. that You wasn't that before, but you are now. You become children of God, even of those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh nor the will of man but of whom god one scholar put it this way john makes it very clear for us in the first chapter of this gospel the word become in verse 12 is key it implies that there is a time that all those who are children of god that one time they were not those who humbly receive christ repent of their sin recognize their need to make jesus their lord receive the right to become children of god is god your father is god your father Right now, Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're a part of God's family? You say, how can I know? Some evidences. Do you love Jesus? Have you put all your faith in Jesus who died on the cross to take God's wrath for your sin and rose from the dead? Have you repented of your sin and are you striving to live a godly life? Then rejoice, you're one of God's children. But if not, today you can be born again. He says this, but as many as received him... To them, he gave the right to become the children of God. Would you bow your heads with me as we close in prayer? And everyone here today, all those who are born again, I would encourage you right now, and only you can do this for yourself, but surrender yourself to the Holy Spirit's work in your life. And I would ask you these questions as we close. Has God been leading you to destroy some deed in the flesh? Then allow that leadership to happen. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. You can resist the Holy Spirit. You can quench the Holy Spirit. But you'll never be what God wants you to be. Surrender afresh and anew to the Holy Spirit in your life. Is God asking you to do something? Has the Holy Spirit gifted you to do something? Then say yes to the Holy Spirit. Trust God's work in your life, trust where God will take you. Then, if you're here today and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, receive Him today. Believe in Him today whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Father, as we come to you in prayer, we thank you, Lord, for the Spirit's work in our lives. Father, we thank you that you will give us direction to do the right thing. Father, we thank you that, Lord, we've been adopted into your family. And, Father, we have all the rights of all the saints of old. And, Father, we thank you that you and you alone can give us assurance that your Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. And, Lord, if there's anyone watching online, or anyone in this auditorium this morning, Lord, that's received Christ today. I pray that they would make it public and enjoy salvation. And Father, we want to thank you and praise you for what you alone can do. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people say together, amen. Well, thank you very much. Uh, Kevin, if you'll cut the live feed, I just want to mention one thing to you. Because of the governor's three added three weeks to this phase, whatever we're in now, I can't even remember what phase we're in, uh, we're going to have to keep our gym closed for the whole month of August. So we'll send out a phone tree message. Uh, we just feel it's better for us to do that for right now. But please don't be mad. We know that a lot of you have called and you've signed up for the gym and, and different various parts of the church. But we just feel like for us right now it's something that we're going to have to do. And, uh, but want to thank you so much for being here. I want to thank you for your patience during this time. This too shall pass, hopefully sooner than later. Stay safe. If you need anything that our staff can do for you during this time, uh, please contact us. Uh, also I want to mention a couple things too before you leave. The Lambert family, please pray for them. Jimmy passed away last week. Uh, Mark and I went and spent time with Amy and Shirley and Jimmy. Very tragic. Jimmy and his wife died within six months of each other. They have a 13-year-old son, 11-year-old son. They live in Durham, so please pray for them. And a longtime member, Juanita Dunn, is incredibly sick, and she'll be at the Lord before long, so remember her family in prayer. Uh, Juanita was a very faithful member of East Hills Baptist Church and been in a nursing home about the last five years. So remember her when you pray. And once again, thank you so much for being here. We're going to tell...